welcome to episode 121 of The Climate Champions. Check out past episodes on theclimatechampions.com. I'm Lee Crevat, host of The Climate Champions. If you or someone you know is a climate champion, please let me know at crevatenergyinnovations.com. This week, my featured guest is Dr. Raj Dasgupta, Chief Executive Officer at Electrovia. Electrovia designs, develops, and manufactures proprietary lithium-ion batteries, battery systems, and battery-related products for energy storage, clean electric transportation, and other specialized applications. It's a technology-focused company with extensive IP headquartered in Ontario, Canada. This podcast is being brought to you in part by the Department of Energy's Advanced Grid Research Group, whose purpose is to accelerate innovation in electric transmission and distribution technologies and create next-generation devices, software, and tools to help modernize the electric grid. Raj has been with Electrovia for over 10 years and has been involved with every aspect of the business, from cell manufacturing to engineering activities to business development. He's currently responsible for overall technology and business development functions. Raj attended Imperial College in London, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, and the University of Cambridge, where he received his doctorate in materials science. Welcome to The Climate Champions. I'm Lee Krivat, and I'm here with Dr. Raj Dasgupta, Chief Executive Officer at Electrovia. Raj, welcome to The Climate Champions. Thanks so much, Lee. It's great to be here. It's great to have you on the show. I love batteries. I just want to get that out there. I love energy storage, actually. And batteries, obviously, are probably the leading way to store energy, at least right now. Uh, like you said, batteries, they're, they're, they're an enigma to some degree, right? They're an electronic part, but they're almost like a living, living organism, too. You know, they get bigger when they charge. They get smaller when they discharge. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of chemistry and moving ions in them. So they're a very interesting device and one that we're, that's incredibly important as well for climate change regulation. Renewables have come down in price a lot, but you can't have the energy when you want it unless you have significant storage at a price that we can afford. Yeah, exactly. And the batteries are sort of an enabling technology, which goes along with many, many devices, which you sort of may take for granted right now in 2022. So your iPhone, for instance, you wouldn't have an iPhone if the lithium-ion battery wasn't invented. The whole cellular revolution wouldn't have happened without lithium-ion batteries. Now you're seeing the electrification of vehicles. Of course, that's uh, heavily dependent on lithium-ion battery technology. And then on the renewables end, again, energy storage devices are also being dominated by lithium-ion battery technology. So it's a, it's a critical technology for all things that we depend on today and a critical technology for climate change mitigation. I couldn't agree more. The model I use is waves. So the first wave is solar and wind. You just put it on the grid. You don't have to worry too much. And as long as you have a low percentage, that's okay. But when you get higher percentages, then you need to start storing it and discharging when the grid needs it instead of when it's being produced. And to me, that's short-term, more short-term energy storage and you also need energy storage, of course, for vehicles, but we'll get to that. And then the third wave to me is the ability to control the battery and the solar to make a microgrid that gives you quality energy mm -hmm. and lets you 
actually have an entire grid based on renewables with energy storage helping make that happen. And then long-term, because you need to have energy even when the wind's not blowing, the sun's not shining. And then all of it makes electric vehicles more and more clean. Yeah, I think you nailed it, right? It's a whole ecosystem. It's not just energy storage for this particular device. We're building sort of specialized batteries, which are long cycle life, high safety devices. And most of them are currently going into material handling applications. So these are warehouses operated by you know, massive Fortune 500 companies. But in any given one of these buildings, we're installing you know, four or five megawatt hours of energy storage. They just happen to be inside vehicles in those buildings. But in a sense, that's an energy storage asset per warehouse. It adds up. One of the companies that I'm on the board of actually that I helped found is called Connect California. And we have a device that goes between the meter and the meter socket, which disconnects from the grid when the grid goes down and then connects an internal circuit. So you can power your whole house with a battery, even if that battery is in an electric vehicle. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, that, I think that's the kind of thinking that is starting to become more prevalent. You don't need a dedicated device necessarily. Everyone has an energy storage device in their pocket right now. Pretty much every single person in the country, right? So it's a matter of how you can tap into these assets that are well distributed already. Yeah, I'm going to stop talking about my companies. They just are relevant for this, but I'm also on the advisory board of a company called SignWatts. Mm -hmm. They have a vision of basically a mobile power plant, a power plant on wheels. Yeah. Charge it where there's solar, then take it home run your house. Well, that's very interesting. So it'd be like a mobile battery? It's a car, but yeah. for them, it's a power plant because you can charge it when you're at work. If there's ample renewable energy, there's lots of sun during the day. So that's when you want to fill it. Yeah. And then when you go home, maybe there's less sun, right? But your car is full, so you can run your house off of it. Run your house off of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Enough about me. <laughs> what was your motivating moment with regards to climate change? I was doing my PhD at Cambridge, and I happened to be working on battery-related materials. That was, what, 2007? or I think uh, Al Gore's movie came out, Inconvenient Truth. And I went and saw it with a couple of my buddies about three, four times at the local cinema there. And we became a rather crazy evangelists of climate change. In fact, we stopped traveling by air, things which I can't do today. It was a, a very important film for me. Normally films aren't, you know, films are things you enjoy, but this was an important, important documentary. Many of the people that are on the show, 10, 20% cite Al Gore as their motivating moment. Oh, really? <laughs> That's funny. When I was in, in university, Electrovia did exist. I knew, you know, what we were doing with regards to batteries was important, but the degree of scariness with regards to climate change, I think that uh, Inconvenient Truth really did help exemplify that for me. And what's going on, in my opinion, is worse than that movie foretold, and it's happening faster. Oh, that's terrible. Uh, you know, I have two small kids, and I often think about it. what they're going to see in 30, 40 years. It's going to be difficult. Now, we're doing what we can to lower my own carbon footprint. I've been driving electric vehicles since 2012, 2011, and we're making batteries here at Electrovia. 
dedicating my career to to this mission. And we're also making batteries, which I think are having a pretty high impact on on climate change. So all batteries are doing useful work, but you know I drive an electric vehicle every day to work. That car spends about 23 hours a day parked, which is typical for an EV driver. And I'll do one cycle on that battery in a week. Again, I would say pretty typical. And I'm displacing gasoline, which is great. So doing my bit. Now, the batteries that we're making here at Electrovia, they're often going into vehicles which are running 24 hours a day. The throughput of energy through these batteries is order of magnitude higher than EV passenger car batteries. As such, I think each battery we're making is having a pretty darn good impact on making these devices more efficient, helping with uh, reducing their carbon footprint. Some cases we're seeing conversions from IC engine vehicles to electric, but even if they're converting from electric lead acid batteries, which are not very efficient, there's a significant impact. On my last podcast, my guest asked me if EVs were truly better for the environment than ICE vehicles because of all the mining that has to go into getting the materials for the batteries. And then people do also ask what happens to the batteries after they're used. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I, I personally think that I've heard this argument, which is almost a straw man argument in my mind. An electric vehicle, even if you're charging it with relatively dirty power, is going to have a net benefit when compared to an IC engine. Even if you take the when you take the mining, shipping, all those factors into account, it's still better. You're mining these minerals, they're not getting burned, you can reuse them later. It's a totally different, different animal. So even if your electric vehicle is spending 23 and a half hours a day parked, it's still better than buying a gasoline car. And I think there are probably plenty of academic reports to support that. Now, with regards to the recycling question, this is happening more and more. There are several great companies that have come up in the last two, three years, which specialize in recycling of lithium-ion batteries. And you're going to see more and more of that happen. Now, the batteries that we produce here at Electrovia, they won't need to be recycled for 30 years. They're specifically designed, and our technology is built around lithium-ion chemistries that will cycle for a very, very long period of time. You would reuse our battery rather than recycle. Are batteries being developed that will leverage less rare earth elements? Yes. So there's the cathode side material, which is typically a nickel manganese cobalt based chemistry, which is what we utilize right now. There's also lithium iron phosphate batteries. Those don't really have many rare components whatsoever. Now, the direction the industry is going is the higher nickel content and the cobalt content in cathode materials keeps dropping. So cells that we were making even five, six years ago had much higher percentages of cobalt than right now. And the direction is it's almost going to, to be written out of the equation. So the chemistries are developing and things like recycling is going to become more prevalent. You know, my gut instinct is to say that the minerals that goes into these batteries, whilst there's going to be more demand for them, it's going to be sustainable. Can you talk more 
about what Electrovia does to mitigate climate change. So Electrovia has been in the lithium-ion battery space for over 25 years. So we are not a startup. There are lots of great startups, but we've managed to continuously innovate as a company. So as you know, Lee, this is a very competitive industry, which has got some domination by Asian conglomerates who have big purse strings behind them, even from nation states. So the only way to remain relevant, remain competitive, for us at least, has been through continuously innovating. The company has had many, many firsts, and on the IP side, well over 150 patents issued over our lifespan, and we have some very important technologies today. Now, because of this very competitive landscape, we've decided to become very focused on some specific large niches in the market. So whilst we all understand the revolution which is happening with respect to electric vehicles, and Electrify has taken part in that. So we were the battery supplier for Chrysler over a decade ago for their initial plug-in hybrid vehicles. Those didn't go into production, but a lot of lessons learned from them. We supplied Daimler for their electric smart cars. If you ever see any electric smart cars, a lot of those would have our battery technology in them. They're very cute. Very cute cars. Our chairman still drives his. The battery's outlasting that car for sure. That said, we found we had developed an interesting specific technology, which gave a better safety standard for ourselves and also led to a better cycle life. So with regards to cycle life, we would get about two to three times the cycle life of typical automotive battery, which when applied to automotive applications, we weren't really getting any bonus for doing that. The cars didn't need, you know, in terms of cycle count, giving the numbers, typical NMC-based lithium-ion battery used in a, in a car gets maybe 2,000 cycles before it reaches its end of life. Our cells will do about 9,000. So much, much better. Do you need that for a car? Probably not. So we said, okay, let's find a market which would uh, be better suited to this technology. Also such that we wouldn't have to compete with companies like LG Chem. And uh, we found that the material handling market, that space, you'll have customers who are operating these material handling vehicles inside warehouses. And they'll often have about 200 vehicles. It's a lot. And battery sizes are comparable to your electric vehicle battery. So about 40 kilowatt hours, 20 to 40 kilowatt hours very similar numbers. That said, they operate 24 hours a day and three shifts often. And in the lead acid space, they would often actually have battery swapping. So this is commonplace in this industry. They'll have big robots swapping lead acid batteries, which weigh a lot in these vehicles. So we came into this space and said, hey, you can use one Electrovia battery, charge it rapidly. It's gonna last you 10 years. Don't worry about it. So there was some skepticism at first, which we've overcome. These are being deployed more and more and more right now. So I think that's the niche we've fit nicely. Now, that's not the only application which is like that. So an electric bus, whilst it's not running as many cycles as, a, as one of these forklifts, they want that electric bus to last 12, 15 years, like your standard diesel bus. And 
the standard lithium-ion batteries don't last that long. And they, again, want to do one cycle per day on the bus, not much more than your electric vehicle. So I think that's in the next step for us. We're going to be targeting electric buses and uh, probably some trucks as well. But we're not, we're not trying to apply this technology to electric vehicles per se. How did the pandemic affect Electrovia? The only impact we had was uh, Walmart, who we supply batteries to, was very adamant that we didn't stop producing them. At the beginning of the pandemic, there was a lot of pressure on here in Ontario. They mandated factories to close. We got a pass to keep going. Can you talk about your prior background? How did you get to where you are now? I studied material science at a number of universities. First was Imperial College, and then uh, I had done a placement at MIT with Professor Donald Sadaway. I'm sure you know him. He was a wonderful uh, man to work with. And I got very excited into, the, into research at that point. So I decided to carry on in material science. So I moved to MIT, started my PhD there. Things didn't go exactly the way I wanted them to go. So I switched to the University of Cambridge, which had a, they have some relationships with one another. I finished my PhD there with making tin-filled nanotubes for lithium-ion batteries. After that, I joined Electrovia, which my father and a good family friend of ours had founded many years prior. So at Electrovia, I've been in various roles, starting on the research side. Then uh, I developed our energy storage systems about a decade back. We've since moved away from that space. And then I ran our overall operations for the last few years before taking this current role. That's a very nice journey. Can you talk about any setbacks you had along the way? Oh, lots of setbacks. (laughs) What were your favorites? Favorite setbacks. I mean, the battery space in itself, right? If you've been following the lithium-ion battery space for, let's say, the last 15 years, there have been rises and falls and false starts. 2009, things looked very, very promising for the battery industry in North America. There was Electric Via. There was a company called A123 Systems in headquartered in Michigan and two other U.S. publicly listed companies. I think one was Balance. What ended up happening is everyone started building these plants to supply electric vehicles and only one automaker really was serious about electric vehicles at that time, and that was Tesla. So three of those uh, U.S. headquartered publicly listed battery companies all declared bankruptcy by 2012. Electrovia narrowly escaped it, uh, and we've carried on. So that was, a, that was a major setback for the industry in general, but it survived. We need batteries, and I, I think that renaissance is happening right now. So now, with mandates from the U.S. president, the Department of Energy, general electrification is you're either going to be in it or you're going to miss the boat. And this boat is now uh, really happening. So it's another big wave. Electrovia, as our CEO, I'm, I'm hoping we're going to take a lead role to some degree in this, in this wave. I'm definitely rooting for you. Sempra Renewables, the wind division used A123 batteries in Hawaii, and then they went under and we had some super talented employees that basically programmed it themselves. Oh, wow. The battery system. And it's still in use as far as I know. I mean, they they made a good product. 
right now people are talking about gigawatt hour scale plants. Sometimes, frankly speaking, it's almost like, have you seen the movie Field of Dreams? Or yes. read the book? Build it and then they will come. I think that mentality is happening to some degree, which we're very wary of as a company. You know, we've had an experience in Germany where we had a factory which was underutilized. So we don't want to get into that position. But A123 was a, was a great company. I think built up maybe too much capacity too early and the market wasn't really there. A lot of the energy storage people that I know studied under Sadaway. So he's really done a lot. Hey, he's a very smart individual and he's a very charismatic guy. You know, I, I mentioned uh, Al Gore's movie. I Definitely people like Sadaway are in that category of being instrumental in influencing young minds. Which is their job, right? He's a professor at MIT. I don't know exactly what he's working on uh, right now. He's still heavily involved. Uh, I think there's some energy storage, battery chemistry he's been working on. I'm a little too wrapped up with our stuff to have a good eye on what's happening there. He used to say, if you want a battery to be as cheap as dirt, you make it out of dirt. Make it out. Yeah, that was that molten salt or molten metal battery. So when I was working with him, actually, I thought I was going to work on batteries, but with PhDs, it's whoever is funding the PhD, right? So we started, actually, the project was molten salt electrolysis to make iron out of moon rock. It was interesting, for sure. Working at very high temperatures, 1600 degrees Celsius, very, very difficult stuff. But he's an, he's an expert in, in that space. Was A123, did that come out of him? So there were two professors working on batteries at the time, Satterway's group, and then there was Yetman Chang's group. And A123 came out of Yetman Chang's. I mean, he was the co-founder. Can you talk about the successes that you're most proud of? There have been a number. Some aren't quite finished yet, which is really how you want it to be. You don't want to be finished your successes. So one of them is we are working on a solid state battery right now. You've probably heard from other people on your show that solid state batteries is the holy grail of battery technology. So it would be ultimately lead to maybe almost dub doubling or beyond in your energy density, which could enable new, new electrification of new devices like airplanes or high performance vehicles, long distance trucking. The potential is endless there. So we have some exciting stuff happening with solid state batteries not done yet, it's not commercialized yet, may not even work. But I'd say where we are right now is it's looking very promising. So I would say it's a near success. But if it becomes success, that would be our biggest success to date. Otherwise, I'd say Electrovia, we're the only battery company that I know of which has commercialized a lithium-ion ceramic battery. That's what gives us the safety and cycle life. And we use full ceramic separator membranes instead of polymer membranes, which is typical in batteries. And it's hard to do. It's hard to make cells with this type of material, but we've managed to do it. And it gives better safety. So honestly, I can sleep, sleep at night uh, without having to worry about one of my batteries catching fire. And it, it's a very high-performance technology. So I'm very proud of what we've done there. Also surviving as a company, right? Again, there are lots of um, dead battery companies out there and Electrovia has managed to avoid that fate. 
When you think about the future of the earth 20, 30 years out, are you optimistic, pessimistic? Where do you think we're going to be? That's funny you asked this question because a good friend of mine, Dr. Patrick Marty, he did his PhD with me and now lives in Seattle, asked me the same question last night. And we were talking about it. And I think you can get a little depressed with the noise right now, right? Honestly, I never expected there to be a war in Europe in 2022 or even in my lifetime. And that's happening. I never expected certain political situations to be happening in our neck of the woods either. A pandemic? Oh, and a pandemic. Those are the negative things that are happening, which can cloud your judgment. And climate change seems to be not going in the right direction. That said, I can see the momentum behind the technology-based solutions like electric vehicles. In another 10 years, you're not going to see anyone even less than that. I mean, the IC engine is, is obsolete today. So if you're buying a car and you're buying an IC engine car today, you're probably buying something that's definitely obsolete. You should be buying an electric vehicle. People are more cognizant of the environment today. The younger generation, my kids, your kids, probably even more so. So I'd say, hopefully, we turn this around. That's what I'd like to see, of course. That's not a prediction, though. Not a prediction, no. My prediction is, it, is it, would, it will get better. It'll get worse before it gets better. But us as a society, we managed to turn around easier problems in the past. Uh, we managed to rebuild after World War II. We managed to reverse some of the issues with the ozone layer. This is a bigger problem we have built for ourselves here. And we, we're going to have to work very hard to, to make it better. But I think we can. Can you please share advice with our listeners about how they can help mitigate climate change? You know, there's the obvious things which they hear all the time. Drive an electric vehicle, eat less meat. I think that's a big, big piece which people uh, neglect because you don't see the impact directly. But I think eating more local food, less meat, things like that actually have a pretty large impact on climate change. But most of these people are, should be well aware of what to do. Honestly, I can't think of anything that people shouldn't already know about. Your listeners, who, you know, your listeners, if they're listening to your show, they probably already take this topic seriously, <laughs> is what I would imagine. So your listeners are probably not the people we should be speaking with. <laughs> Actually, I always learn new things. So... I would say that I learn from the advice given. Some of it is just refresher, but some of it is unique and interesting. Do you have any questions for me? Well, I, I'd ask the same question, that last question that uh, you asked me about, you know, are you optimistic about the way the, the world will be in 20, 30 years? And I will answer it very similar to how you did, actually. On the one hand, we have the climate changing faster. The number of Weather impact certainly is greater than we expected at this point. The amount of ice melting now, they're finding new types of organisms in the ice that's melting, and that potentially means more disease. We've got some really bad stuff going on. So on that side of the equation, I'm pessimistic. On the other side, I talk to people like you every day that are developing new solutions to these problems that can save us. So when I put them together, 
I'm kind of in a quandary. That being said, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. I think people are by nature not proactive and they react when they're really scared or it's near too late, then they really start to get going. So my big question is, will it get bad in such a way that there's still time to react because of all the work we've done developing solutions? And so we'll just have to take those solutions out and implement them rather than start developing them. Yeah, the solutions are there. The solutions exist today. You just have to do it faster. Is there anything else we haven't covered that you'd like to say? No, I think I think we covered it. It was a great conversation. Okay, here we go. You've developed an amazing product, and it's not just flattery. It lasts almost forever. What an amazing battery. An inconvenient truth. It made you euphorial, and you happen to be studying battery material. You saw inconvenient truth. You wanted more. You have to give a big thank you to Al Gore. Hey, if you need a battery and you want to save a lot of dimes, yours can be charged and discharged 9,000 times. Yet Min Chang developed A123, but you studied under Sadaway at MIT. To be a CEO of a battery company, you have to be dynamic. A huge success for you was making it out of ceramic. When you talk about all the things your battery does, it threw me for a loopta. Thank you oh so much, Dr. Raj Das Gupta. That's amazingly, <laughs> amazing. <laughs> I'm very impressed. That's the most impressive thing I've seen in a uh, while. Oh, wow. Wow, I know it isn't a done deal and it might not even work, but it was great to hear Raj talk about the exciting work Electrovia is doing with solid state batteries. Very promising and a near success. It would be fantastic for that success to cross the finish line. If you have comments or questions about the podcast, visit my website at crevatenergyinnovations.com and drop me an email. I would love to hear from you. And if you're enjoying the Climate Champions podcast series, please subscribe, rate it five stars if you're an Apple user, and tell your climate-concerned friends about it. When I asked Raj about advice he would give to my listeners, that's you, to help mitigate climate change, he basically said that my listeners aren't the ones that need to hear this, that you already know what to do. I understand exactly where he's coming from. So it comes back to that those of us that understand what we need to do to not only do it, but to talk about it, to vote for it, to educate others. By getting others engaged, we are exponentially increasing our own impact on mitigating climate change. Mm -hmm.